Welcome back to I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is your host, Sabrina, joined again by Christian Rivas. Christian, what's up? Nothing much. Um, just watching a whole bunch of basketball, as I've done since the NBA regular season started. But today, today it felt like NBA basketball was actually back because that Clippers-Pelicans game was, was fun. And then that Mavericks-Knicks game was surprisingly fun. And I say surprisingly uh, because they played the Knicks. And uh, you never know what you're going to get with the Knicks. My poor son, Julius Randle, get him out of there as soon as possible. It's funny when you said, like, NBA basketball is back. I just, like, pictured Magic Johnson in my head saying, like, the dunk contest is back. (laughs) Or happy days are here again. Oh, aren't they? (laughs) No, but, yeah, the Knicks game was uh, surprisingly entertaining. Uh, It kind of, like, breaks my heart. Uh, I think Mike Parada was writing about the Knicks earlier about how Julius Randle has lost all of the potentially good habits he might have developed <laughs> playing in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Playing on bad teams, they uh, they don't exactly make you play smart, you know? Yeah. And the, the most interesting thing I read on the Knicks today was that Brian Windhorst breakdown of, of all of the wrongdoings they've done, like, over the past year or two. They, want, they didn't want to trade for Anthony Davis. Because he didn't fit in their long-term plan. <laughs> Anthony Davis is 26 years old. What? Yeah. And, okay, the, the, the thing that made me laugh the most about this is the assumption that the assets that they do have are good. Like, you would, I would trade literally everybody on that <laughs> roster for Anthony Davis. Oh, and some. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It, ugh, that, that was an interesting time. During that whole trade package uh, rumor season between the Celtics, Knicks, and Lakers, I had people trying to argue with me that the Knicks just had a better package than the Lakers. Like, hell-bent <laughs> on the Clippers having a better package than the Lakers. It's whatever. I mean, I'm not sure what, you know, Lonzo or Ingram or Hart is going to turn into or, like, what those yeah. picks are going to end up being. But... At the time, I remember exactly where I was when the Anthony Davis trade went down. I was covering a yeah. Sparks game at Staples Center. I, like, focused in on this picture of Brandon Ingram in the Staples Center meter room, and I was like, I wonder how long that's going to be up there because it's a picture of Brandon Ingram dunking on <laughs> Anthony Davis. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, we gave up too much. Like, the yeah. Lakers had all of the leverage because Anthony Davis only wanted to come to the Lakers, and we gave up everything. And then you watch Anthony Davis play. Yeah. It's like, maybe we could have given him more. Yeah. In hindsight, if the Knicks weren't willing to give up all their goodies, as has been reported, don't know if that's true. Maybe they offered everything they had. The Celtics didn't want to offer Jason Tatum over Rich Paul telling him he's not going to resign <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, and then... I, yeah, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't know why the Lakers ended up giving as much as they did. I guess Anthony Davis could have been sent to another. Like, some team could have gotten desperate and, and put a package together. But, man, when you look at this Lakers roster, it, if it's not Andre Iguodala that I'm thinking about on, on the team, it's Brandon Ingram because he'd be great. I think I, we, were, we were talking a little bit off air. I think he's posting the worst defensive rating on the Pelicans. But he is getting bucket buckets. Yeah, I I worry about how much to judge what players are doing on losing teams. Like obviously yeah. the Pelicans, they looked real nice today without Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, <laughs> and Josh Hart. 
and our dear boy Zion Williamson. But Angela Locafor, like every player I watch the Pelicans for is not playing today <laughs> other than Drew Holiday. Yeah, well, you're a, you're a shameless Duke fan. They still got Frank Jackson. Still got JJ Redick. There's, there's so much to love for me on New Orleans. I, I literally just can't get enough of them. All the brotherhood is there. All the brotherhood. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a quick side note. I, I love how Duke basketball has like created this marketing of the brotherhood that didn't <laughs> exist until like 2015 16 maybe but right. works really well when you're recruiting guys because you get to tell them like you're part of the brotherhood with grant hill and jay williams and, like <laughs> they all pretend that like it's a thing that's been around forever it's it's really a brand yeah. really good the ncaa is the police so oh yeah whatever yeah. It's wrong get what they're the doing NBA to James as soon as possible, James yeah. Wiseman. <laughs> yeah, get get your bag. Never look back. Yeah, I'm sure Penny will be okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think we should talk about the big news of the day, though. Even though it's not specifically Lakers news, Carmelo Anthony back in the NBA, and I think we all expected if this was going to happen that it would be on the Lakers, right? Yeah, I did for a while. And then when he wasn't on the training camp roster, I thought not even LeBron is as, like, not even Bron is that friend okay. for, for Carmelo Anthony. Like, there comes a point where you have to sit your friend down and be like, hey, man, even I can't get you out of this one. You're on your own. I think that's kind of what LeBron did indirectly with Melo. Uh, I don't know if he's been willing to play for a non-guaranteed contract this entire time. Uh, it should be noted that it is non-guaranteed, kind of like a Dwight Howard situation. Uh, but it is it is interesting. My hottest take that I have is that Carmelo Anthony is actually going to be good wherever wherever he landed. So I think he'll be fine in Portland. Uh, I don't know if Portland's the team to hide him defensively, but <laughs> they uh, they're certainly going to try. And if they might just have to beat teams one forty two to one forty like every night. Yeah, I mean that that's a a theory at least right like you yeah. know the way portland works right now is dame lillard sits on the bench and absolutely nothing happens yeah even though uh amfrey simon's hella fun to watch a ton of fun yeah ton of i fun. wanted the lakers i wanted him to fall the lakers so bad the last i can't time, remember the the draft order there yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't close um yeah. the only the only time i remember wanting somebody to fall to the lakers that bad uh was karis lavert I think the Nets took him like three or four picks in in front of the Lakers. I was so mad because, I mean, he isn't like an all star or anything, but he's he's a good player. But yeah, um, Melo on Portland, that jersey's gonna be cool. Uh, but beyond that, I I don't know. I don't have too many thoughts on it. <laughs> well, the cool thing about Melo is that like there aren't a ton of expectations for what he could be because Portland is such a train wreck right now. Right. And, like. It's sort of like a last resort for both of them, you know, um, which I hope is a good situation for him because I always liked watching Melo play. I thought that those Denver Lakers series back in the 2000s were super fun to watch. I mean, <laughs> I always thought Melo was an underrated playoff performer in the West. Like, it's, right. it's just not his fault that he was in the West for all those years and couldn't get out of the first round. Like, that's they were never the favorite team. So, I was, yeah, like that Western Conference Finals in 2009, I legit thought that Denver could have beaten us. Right. So... I was in Denver visiting family when that was going on, and we got dirty looks at like a diner the very next day they won because we were in our Lakers gear. It was very cool. And I think Denver hasn't been a basketball city since then, yeah. <laughs> so maybe we got the most passionate fans in Denver. But uh, yeah, I I do I agree. 
the league is better when Melo is is in it and playing at a high level. I think he can get he can probably still give you 20 points a night on the right shot attempts. Don't know how efficient it's going to be. Um, I don't know if that's the player Portland needs him to be, but they definitely need a forward because, as we talked about last week, like Mario Hazonia is, is just not going to get it done. Anthony Tolliver is starting for them <laughs> at the four. Okay, yeah, Jake- like forget Mario Hazonia. <laughs> this is this goes deeper. Yeah, it, it's bad. Jacob and I were talking about it yesterday. I don't I don't know what's going on over there, but uh, I do really enjoy watching Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, uh, Anthony Simons is a whole bunch of fun. I think yeah. Nasir Little isn't going to be good, but, I mean, <laughs> they have to play him right now, so. Yeah, I remember asking Mo Harkless a couple weeks back, like, if Neil Olshay had discussed with him, like, what the direction the team was going in when they traded him, and he's like, <laughs> I got no idea what's going on up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody does. We were, talk- we were talking about that, too. Like, what yeah. was that Hassan Whiteside trade? Yeah, I don't know. Well, this is ostensibly a Lakers podcast, not a Blazers <laughs> podcast, so... Speaking of expectations, um, the Lakers have played 11 games, and I thought it'd be a good time to assess where the team is relative to where we thought they would be at the start of the season. So let's go just like player by player wise. Uh, Let's start with LeBron James. I don't know about you, but I did not think LeBron was going to look this locked in defensively when the season started. Um, Yeah, I didn't think so either. I thought it was going to be like maybe one or two games because of the comments made by Anthony Davis. It's just like... Anthony Davis wanted him to be like an all NBA defender. And it's just like, sure, that's a nice thought. And in the playoffs, he could make a push for that, but not in the regular season. Um, I was wrong. I don't know why he's still playing defense, but it's good for the <laughs> Lakers. Um, but Jacob and I's theory is, is that he is playing as hard as he can right now. So when he load manages in like February, March, which he said he isn't, but. I mean, come on. He has to. Vogel Vogel has already said that he's going to try to get LeBron James and Anthony Davis rest as the season goes on. So even if LeBron doesn't want to, it's probably in his best interest. Uh, But, yeah, on both ends of the floor, I I, I expected LeBron James to be good. But unless last season was just one giant mess and blur I'm trying to forget, I don't remember him being this good. Yeah, I mean... I wonder if part of it's, like, there's actual veterans on the Lakers roster, so Mm -hmm. we can't just, like, screw around. Like, there's people to actually hold him accountable um, and a coach to actually hold him accountable, potentially. Uh, Or a coaching staff, even. Like, Lionel Hollins is gravitas at the very least, right? (laughs) Um, And I also think uh, part of the the Cleveland load management trips was just for him to get out of Cleveland in the winter. Like, that's not as much of an impetus in L.A., but, you know, we'll see. Um, But, yeah. Offensively, LeBron's exactly what I thought he was going to be, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, the assists are kind of nice. I feel like we've probably uh, mentioned this a few times, that LeBron has never averaged double-digit double, assist, double digit assists or rebounds, and that's in uh, in reach this season he's, because he's the point guard of the Lakers roster. <laughs> right. right. 11.1 uh, assists on the season to go along with 23.9 points. That's yeah. good. LeBron James is good at basketball <laughs> is my main takeaway from the first almost month of the season. Yeah, and, like, uh, setting the tone on defense. That's Maybe he just doesn't like the idea that, like, Anthony Davis could be considered better than him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny because I was telling Jacob, like, the reason he's decent on defense is literally just because he's running back and, like, 
pl- putting more effort on the defensive end. Just slightly more effort. LeBron James getting back on defense is an above-average defender, which is laughable. LeBron James is, is so good at basketball. <laughs> Lakers fans are lucky to have him. I don't know if um, they took him for granted last season, uh, but I, I think, uh, yeah, he looks like LeBron James. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, right? I think we were all worried about that age-related decline. and Nope. Oh, he's staving off father time for just he's a little a longer. Like more so than Kawhi Leonard. He's like, <laughs> he's the newest version of whatever Kawhi Leonard is. <laughs> Kawhi's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Paul George is, Paul George is really good too. I checked, I checked the box score at halftime and I saw that Paul George had like 23 points in 13 minutes. And he has two, he's allegedly smooth. two bum shoulders. He's smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like, but Christmas Day. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking <laughs> of things that Laker fans are also grateful to have, uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, I gotta say, probably right around where I expected him to be. Yeah, I, I don't think. I he hasn't been as efficient from the field as I thought he'd be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the good news is, is that literally every one of their other big men has been like and i think a lot of it also has to do with and anthony davis talked about this a little bit uh in a recent interview with shams Terania of the athletic um he had said that he had to be the number one option in new orleans because it's just like that's how things were but i think being the number one option in la is a little different especially when lebron james is diverting to you it's um it's a little more responsibility, and I think the shooting percentages he's had to start the season kind of reflect that. But, I mean, still, even in spite of that, 26-10 and then leading the league in blocks with 2.9 blocks per game, that's that's the player the Lakers traded for. Yeah, I mean, I think offensively part of the reason he isn't as efficient as we might have hoped for is that the offensive ecosystem in L.A. Mm-hmm. is just not perfectly conducive to him rightly he's playing with the big a lot of the time right uh the spacing is not great because even though the lakers theoretically have shooters they're not making shots yeah so i think in time that'll improve just as like the offense learns everyone learns how to play with one another like the more he plays at the five i feel like those minutes have to be more efficient than when he's playing at the four offensively right but we don't want to you know rush that during the regular season and yeah Overtax him, right? <laughs> I was just going to say, you know what would make the Lakers look better on offense? If Anthony Davis just slid over and, and, <laughs> and played a position up or down, however you want to phrase it. But I'm perfectly happy with the Lakers playing him at the four and looking this way because they they sprinkle in enough Davis at the five minutes so that you know that they're getting some reps in but right. not overusing it. And then the more you see it, you're like, oh, this is just going to be like gangbusters whenever they actually do bust it out. Right. So I'm I'm okay with the way... Things have been deployed thus far. Um, and again, I we probably could have given up more for Anthony Davis. <laughs> are, are, uh, LeBron, are LeBron James and Anthony Davis the best duo in the NBA? Currently? Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I thought you were going to say like Lakers history and I was like, nah. uh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, in, in the NBA, yeah. I, again, uh, I mean, that number two. That number two is arguably Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but yeah. I, and I, I tweeted this yesterday. And I did not expect to tweet something like this almost a month into the season. I think Frank Vogel has a better idea of what he has and the pieces he has and how he wants to use them 
than Doc Rivers has so far. And Doc Rivers is a really good coach, like a championship head coach. And the Clippers have looked like a well-oiled machine on most nights. I just think there are little things that they still need to figure out, and I'm just not confident Doc will. Wow. Yeah. It's a scalding uh, take, I know. Okay. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna bookmark this and come back to it. Uh, but for now, I think that leads very naturally into our next person who has, you know, kind of dazzled this season, and that's Frank Vogel. Yeah. Um, I will say I had no expectations of Vogel when he came in. I thought he would be fired midway through the season. <laughs> and I think I've actually vacillated back and forth on that. I'm pretty sure, like, when we made our season predictions, I, my hot take was that he was not going to be fired. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think he was going to measurably add value to this team. I thought, like, he would just serve as the caretaker for LeBron, you know, surveying over his kingdom. Yeah. But... I, I mean, like, he doesn't, he's not stubborn. He responds quickly when things are not working. Uh, I think starting Avery Bradley at point guard, whether that was because of Rondo's injuries or just any sort of situations, is an inspired choice. Uh, he's gotten more out of Dwight Howard than I could possibly have imagined. I don't know if that's just Dwight or if it's partly based on the coaching staff, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're there. I have to assign some sort of credit, right? Uh, the defense looks incredible, and obviously the Lakers have defensive talent, but that doesn't just naturally coalesce into a league-leading defense. Like yeah. schematically, Vogel's doing some good things, and like we've already rested Anthony Davis for a game. That's a good, mm-hmm. good sign, right? Some interest in early season load management. So yeah, like I said, Vogel's tenure in Orlando very blah, very unimpressive, but has definitely exceeded my expectations thus far this season, and I think that's a big reason why the Lakers are sitting at first place in the Western Conference. Absolutely. I think Frank Vogel is everything he was hyped up to be. Um, I don't know if the comments about him evolving offensively after spending time with Brad Stevens, which I can't clown on Brad Stevens too much because they're playing really well right now, Um, but I, I don't know if that has caught up yet. I mean, he's basically said that they've yet to implement the offense i think last week he just said uh after how well they've performed defensively they're going to start really uh putting things into the offense which is exciting uh but defensively he's exactly who he was advertised of being like being that defensive mastermind with the teams uh in indiana uh it's 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 really promising so far that he's lived up to that reputation I don't know how much credit he should get for Dwight Howard being as good as he is because I was talking to Jacob about this. Um, On paper, it made a ton of sense, like from the very beginning, that the Lakers are going to be a good defensive team because of how many all like first team All NBA players they have on the roster. Even if it was several years ago, I mean the the defensive instincts are still there in theory. Dwight Howard's looked great. The thing that has startled me is and I don't know if this is just a result of Kyle Kuzma spending time with coaches that aren't Luke Walton and Jesse Mermis, but he looks better on defense. Not necessarily good. The metrics suggest he's good. The eye test tells a bit of a different story. Uh but I mean he looks more disciplined on defense. LeBron James, as we've mentioned, looks more disciplined on defense. Don't know how much of that has to do with the you know 
schematics Frank Vogel has in place and team defense, but I mean, they're a good defensive team with players that, like even Avery Bradley, as you mentioned, was not a good defensive player with the Clippers or the Pistons, so it's it's inc- it's incredible what they're doing and, and what Vogel's had them do it, doing, and it's great for him because if the Lakers didn't get off to a hot start, he would have been on the hot seat from day one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm inclined to give Vogel a little more credit for the defense than just simply the personnel because, mm-hmm. I mean, he just has a track record of doing it. So right. I think it's it's fair to assign him a little more. But moving on from maybe things that have been a little more positive for the Lakers, is there anyone that's been particularly below expectation for you relative to what you thought coming into the season? Um, well, I think the obvious answer um, is probably JaVale, but he's picked it up a little bit uh, in recent games. Him and him and Dwight seem to know what they have to do when they step on the court, which is good because when you're playing all 48 minutes with like a rim or a rim running shot blocking center, it's good. The Lakers are going to be in good position when they have like defensive players like that that can make open shots, yada, yada. Um, so, yeah, JaVale, and I think the one you were probably expecting to come out of my mouth is Contavious Caldwell-Pope. <laughs> I mean, the metrics still seem to like KCP. Defensively, um, for sure, yeah. Yeah, defensively, and that rates him out as, like, overall slightly net positive because, mm-hmm. you know, defense matters. Uh, yeah. I can't say watching him play I've ever thought, oh, that's a good play by KCP, <laughs> uh, which is which is hard because I have been, you know, riding the KCP hype train for a very long time, uh, and it's been a bit of a bummer. I think, like, the, the first, you know, opening night game against Kawhi Leonard where he got his lunch taken away by Kawhi uh, kind of set the tone for how people have viewed him this season. Right. I know... Um, we wrote on the site today about how, like, Dwight Howard was clapping back on people on social media for saying that we need to trade KCP because at some point he's going to come in handy for us. And I, I do believe it's going to happen. Uh, I think, you know, defensively, like, he still is important. He has a little more size than Avery Bradley or even Caruso. Um, he's got good physical tools. It's just... I just think the mistakes that KCP makes are just so much louder than the mistakes that anybody else makes. Absolutely. I mean, and like, there's a, that floater he took against Dallas. It just, like, went over the rim. Or yeah. maybe that was another team. There was one that he took against Dallas that just, like, two feet short of the rim. And, like, when he throws the ball away, it's just instant offense for the other team. And sometimes he makes these decisions on offense that are just, like, where does this level of confidence come from, Kenny? <laughs> uh, yeah. E- even the layup he hurt himself on against oh, the yeah. Warriors was right at the rim. And it's it's like, how? How did yeah. you miss that? It was right there. You were above the rim. You're an athletic <laughs> guy, and you can't make it go in. Um, yeah, it's almost like him goaltending. It's like him making his first shot on a goaltend was like a harbinger of bad things to come <laughs> as well. Like, it was just never going to be easy for him to finish. But... Yeah, I guess KCP's been a little bit below expectation. Well, my expectations, yeah. Your expectations, perhaps, because you're very (laughs) high on him. He's he's about where I thought he'd be. Uh, I thought the three-point percentage was going to be a little bit better because of him working with Lethal Shooter. 
seem to have worked for Kyle Kuzma, at least as of late. In the mm-hmm. past two games, he's looked pretty good. And during that stint with Team USA, he looked pretty good. But K- KCP hasn't soaked up that whatever he learned. He's shooting, I think, 22% from three this season. Uh, and the thing with Contavious Caldwell-Pope is that I agree. There is a strong possibility that he turns it around at some point in the season. I just don't know if the Lakers need him to turn it around. Like, and, and by the time he does, I think he's better served as trade bait for a wing they actually need than, than KCP. Because you look at the rotation against, who was it, that they played before? Uh, it was the Suns. Phoenix? Yeah. yeah. So the rotation they played against the Suns, where KCP only played eight minutes. And you had uh, Rajon Rondo and Alex Crusoe in that backcourt. I think that's a that's a great rotation. I mean, I think if Rondo has to play, that's a great rotation. Uh, and if you're going to get Caruso most of his minutes at the two, you're probably better off just using KCP to get that that big wing they need, which is, I've been hammering home all season is that the Lakers really need that player. I know they're hoping it'll be Andre Iguodala. Um, but, who? I mean... Whoever it, it it's gonna be, it, it needs to be somebody. And I I think whatever Contavious Caldwell Pope offers on the defensive end um, probably isn't worth whatever. Just having a guy that's like six eight or taller is gonna be for the Lakers. Yeah, I still think I'd rather KCP be soaking up those minutes than Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels. Um, right. Which yeah. Like, the Lakers aren't as deep as you might expect. Like, of their 15-man roster, DeMarcus Cousins takes up one of the spots. Taylor Horton Tucker takes up another. And I don't mm-hmm. anticipate him playing very many minutes at the big, the NBA level this season. So, that's 13 guys, right? And inevitably, somebody's always hurt because that's just how the NBA works, right? So, yeah. I do think that guard depth is necessary to a certain extent um but i agree with you like if the opportunity arises to find a wing like kcp is probably the one that has to go just because of salary matching purposes but um just getting back to the whole like expectations versus not meeting expectations i think the one thing that's really surprising about the lakers is how poorly they've shot this season Like, I think Danny Green is the only player who shoots a league average or above rate from three-point range, which kind of flies in the whole, like, oh, the Lakers shine shooters this offseason. Yeah, I mean, and that was the big emphasis going into free agency. And I thought they did a pretty good job. Like, I think, if if I can remember correctly, it was Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, and Jared Dudley are all career 40% or above three-point shooters. So is Danny Green, obviously. Um, And Danny Green, that... Danny Green can do no wrong to me because of that first game against the first game against the Clippers. He was just so good that I think casual fans think he should probably be in the All Star game. And I don't. I'm probably gonna vote for him. Um, but Quinn Cook, when he's not making shots, I mean, there's really no reason for him to be on the floor. The same can be said of Troy Daniels, although Daniels probably or definitely gives more effort on defense. Than, than Cook does, but, I mean, the numbers are still relatively close. Like, the difference in them is marginal defensively. It just looks like Troy Daniels is trying harder, which, according to Russell Westbrook, is all Patrick Beverly does. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <sighs> no, but it's, like, 
Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels just don't do enough to get on the floor other than the fact that they can shoot. Yeah. And when they're not hitting shots, like, I appreciate that Vogel's had such a quick hook with them. And then Jared Dudley, like, I assumed he'd be a bigger part of the rotation. Apparently, he's just the guy that's there when the third forward is not playing. Yeah. So, like, he got some minutes early because Kuzma wasn't playing, and then he got to play yesterday against the Warriors because Anthony Davis was out. So he seems to be just, like, the load management forward, and... He's probably like the most consistent shooter on the team other than Danny Green. How consistent is he, Sabrina? He's 100% for the season. Exactly. <laughs> so that's not hyperbole. He is literally the most consistent shooter, not just on the team, in the NBA. In the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do believe uh, Harrison sent me some quotes from last night. He did say he's not, oh, he's planning on shooting 100% the whole year. My bad. <laughs> That was the point. Well, that's, I mean, I expect nothing less, especially yeah. if he's only going to play once every eight games. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I like that if LeBron sits, then Kuzma can start. You know, if Anthony Davis sits, then Kuzma can start. Yeah. And Dudley's just the third guy off the bench, and he's more than capable of fulfilling that role. So, you know, <laughs> he's a, I guess he's the guy that's kind of met my expectations too. I guess I probably thought he was going to play more minutes, but. Yeah doesn't really need to i think you know? the the idea that dudley was going to play more minutes was reliant on kyle kuzma playing the three mm. and that just doesn't seem to be frank vogel's plan which i don't i don't blame him like again that three guard lineup with rondo caruso and kcp looked pretty good kcp handled the ball like not a lot which is what you want don't <laughs> love the rondo lebron james minutes um i hope those are dialed back a bunch and by a bunch i mean eliminated completely uh but yeah that second unit and i think as as the roster gets more healthy i think the biggest thing the clippers have over the lakers right now is that second unit obviously that's going to dwindle a little bit uh or that their full second unit is going to dwindle a little bit with the return of paul george uh but i mean even then if he's staggering Kawhi leonard and paul george one of those guys going to be on the court at all time so Regardless, whoever is on the floor in, in the second unit is going to be Lou Williams, one of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and then uh, Montrezl Harrell. So uh, I don't know if they've they've closed that gap, but I think that second unit that they played against Phoenix, featuring Caruso, Rondo, Dwight, Kuzma, and then you can sub in KCP if you want. In my head, I'm going to pretend it's Andre Iguodala. <laughs> I think that's a really good second unit uh, defensively. I think Kuzma can carry that team offensively, and Dwight can clean up whatever's left. So I like that. Um, and, and speaking of Kuzma, do you have any thoughts on, on how he's played recently? Are you buying into the numbers he's putting up right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he hadn't played a meaningful game of basketball since March, I think. Uh, he was part of USA Camp, but again, like that was just scrimmaging. He didn't actually get to play in any of the... He played in an exhibition game against, like, the select team, but whatever that's worth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's had, like, some nice performances recently. He Nothing he's doing feels out of character. You know, like, he's still a good finisher around the room, which we already knew about him. He's right. still super streaky from three-point range, which we already knew about him. Mm-hmm. And being able to buy into a defensive system, like, that seems like the next level in his progression. And that's made easier when he's got really strong defensive bigs around him, like Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. And when he has a coach who understands how to install a defensive scheme. So everything that he's doing feels very natural. Um, 
would I like him to shoot higher than 28% from three-point range? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think that'll come, you know, even if he settles in, like, low 30s, like, it's not ideal. But for some reason, Kuzma's rep makes it so that he's guarded. So, yeah. you know, those are good shots. Yeah, gravity's a lot of it's just reputation anyway. So, I mean, I guess, like, I'd, I'd hoped that he'd be further along, like, at this point in the season just because I didn't expect him to miss so many games to start. But I like where he is now. I, I think Joel Embiid said it, that he's not even a good three-point shooter, but because he takes them, defenses have to respect them. And I think it was in mm-hmm. relation to Ben Simmons not shooting threes, which he still, <laughs> unless I'm mistaken, he still has yet. Oh, no, no. I think it's DeMar DeRozan that's yet to take a three-point shot this season, which is nuts. But... Um, I just love watching Tristan Thompson like let fly right in front of Ben Simmons. <laughs> just, what is happening in this world? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, as as many of you know, I am very high on Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I don't know if he's the player the Lakers should have kept in that trade package, uh, but that's assuming they had a choice. Um, but I do think like the Kuzma versus Hart debate. Statistically speaking, Hart was a better fit alongside LeBron James than Kyle Kuzma was. Um, but I think Kuzma's ceiling is just so much higher I, for no other reason than the position he plays and what a versatile scorer he is. Um, I am pretty pretty excited about what he can do this season. My only thing with him, though, is that I am super confident he's going to average close to 20 points per game for most of the season. I just wonder how many of those points and how much of his production is going to come while sharing the floor with Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, and whether or not he closes games. Yeah, I think um, we've seen that a lot of his successful stints have happened when he's the number one option on the team when Davis and LeBron are taking combined rests, Mm -hmm. which I know we discussed that we had hoped to never see on this Lakers team. But... With Kuzma back and, like, potentially Rondo, too, because I think Rondo actually helps him get into his spots a little better. Uh, there's some, you know, method to those lineups. Like, they're not – I don't hate them the way I originally thought I would, <laughs> especially <laughs> because, I, I, again, I had no idea that Dwight Howard is going to be, like, this version of Dwight Howard, you know. So Dwight, Kuzma, and, like, three guards, there's, there's some magic there, you know. Like, there's something – like, you can watch those lineups and think, like, okay, I can see how this works, yeah. you know. Um <clears throat> But yeah, like the Kuzma Hart thing, I don't, I don't even worry about that. Like, <laughs> uh, I think it's pretty clear. Like we, the the Lonzo Brandon Ingram thing is like salary, right. and, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm I'm very happy with Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I, think, I agree. Uh, he's still playing, and none of the baby Lakers play today. <laughs> yeah, if, if for yeah, the fact that both of his legs are functioning at least right now. I mean, he did miss yeah. some time to start the season, but right. Knock on wood. Yeah. But yeah, uh, let's do a little rapid fire here. Um, Danny Green. Better, worse? How'd you expect? Uh, Danny Green is one of the best players in the NBA. and I Perfect. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I will say, um, I know the people on Toronto and San Antonio have said that, or like their fan bases have said that he's a little more inconsistent than you'd expect. Like he makes like eight threes over two games and then sort of flames out over the next two. That's been a little maddening. Um, but he's just so good defensively that I don't particularly care. Right. Yeah. Uh, Alex Caruso. Uh, well, he probably isn't going to get any. Well, actually, that's not true. I was going to say he isn't going to get any all-star votes. He's probably going to get a whole bunch of all-star votes, but he doesn't <laughs> deserve any of them so far. He's been pretty 
pretty poor from the field. And uh, so, well, I mean, I'm I'm hoping those averages get up because if they don't, he's again. I think he does more of the little things on the defensive end than KCP, but uh, at that point, he's just he's just KCP if he's not hitting shots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm a little disappointed. I thought I was expecting him to hit better from three point range. Like obviously not the 45 percent that he was hitting in March and April last season because that was for garbage games. But I had higher hopes for what he could be as a floor spacer, and he's not at the point in his career where just him being there causes the defense to react because this is his first year not on a two-way contract, yeah. right? Like, we shouldn't expect that from him. But every time he's comes in the game, he just makes an immediate impact on defense. And it's just so hard to quantify, but he's just always there. Like, there, that game against, uh, was it Toronto? I think it was Miami, where he just, like, forced an inbounds violation because, like, he was just guarding the guy who was supposed to be inbounded the ball, and, like, Kendrick Dunn lost his mind and, like, couldn't count to five. It was... Just little things like that Caruso's always doing, and he's so fun to watch. Like, I still keep watching Lakers games with people who don't understand that Caruso can dunk. It is mind-boggling <laughs> to me. Like, I was in Phoenix this weekend, and I'm watching the game with my cousins, and he's like, who is that bald guy? Like, what is he even doing on the floor? Like, he still has the shock value. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, the, every time Alex Caruso dunks the ball, two years of my life are added. And he, oh, that's good. He's uh, he's very good at dunk. He, I don't know what it is. I think it's just the fact that he kind of resembles Charlie Brown. That that I get so excited when he dunks. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. Avery Bradley. We talked about Caruso, Danny Green. I feel like we covered the Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels piece. Um. We haven't talked about Dwight yet. We have not really talked about Dwight. I, I think it's safe to say that he has not met your expectations, right, Christian? Uh, we haven't won three titles with him yeah. yet. <laughs> he is um, he's good. I didn't think he'd be. I, I had no reason to believe he'd be this good uh, just because of the, the off-court stuff. I'm still very interested, and I will knock on wood or whatever this fake wood table or desk I'm sitting at is. Um, this, this is still a guy that got is coming off of two back surgeries in like the last five, six years. So I, I love what I'm seeing right now. The big question for me is if he's going to stay healthy. I really hope he does because the Lakers are a better team. I was, I was looking at numbers today, and the second most used lineup by the Lakers has only played 16 minutes together. The starting lineup has played like over 100. Uh, but that lineup has like the best uh, defensive – or net rating on the team and it's the starters with Dwight Howard so he's good he's good I do wonder if um, Mello has those day-to-day provisions in his contract as well that <laughs> Dwight does or if his non-guarantee is just like oh in January we can cut you right um, but it's a it's a unique incentive structure that Dwight Howard is working under and he is thriving yeah once he uh, I think he's like starting to get some of his personality back too you know I worry it's too much personality Dwight's a little <laughs> cheesy uh but no, he's having a good time. Like he and JaVale seem to genuinely like each other. Although JaVale will not concede the fact that Dwight does anything better than he does. So <laughs> you should you, know. you should see him when his contract gets guaranteed. I'm sure oh he'll start posting up and I worry about that date <laughs> when we're no longer on a day to day with Dwight Howard. Making uh just weird inappropriate fart jokes. 
Can't all wait. the time. He he made a fart joke he in the did. locker room the other he, day. I don't know if it was a fart joke or he just thought somebody farted, but uh, I don't ever need to hear Dwight Howard <laughs> say the word fart in Lakers context. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm pleasantly surprised how the Lakers look so far. I I don't know if it's just like natural defeatism or the past six years have robbed me of joy or. You know, there's some genuine holes on this roster. All of those things, yes. Like, I thought the Lakers would beat the Clippers opening night, uh-huh. and they didn't. And then it just sort of, like, spiraled, like, oh, my God, the Lakers are not going to be that good. And then here we are, nine wins later. Yeah. Residing I, atop the Western Conference. I, I, But, again, I, I really hate to be a skeptic, but they really only need to be better than one or two teams. And we saw them play one of them. And that matchup didn't go well. They'll have Kuzma yeah. next time. The Clippers Rondo, will have Paul George. I maintain being able to throw an entry pass would have come so yeah. handy in that game. It's uh, it's gonna be different. I hope we didn't even play Caruso in that game. Like that's that's yeah, that's the, was a fake Laker lineup. <laughs> when somebody says that the Clippers didn't have Paul George, I say Alex Caruso didn't play, and then that's where the conversation ends because it's just mutual respect <laughs> between two superstar players. Absolutely, yeah. How many you know? Uh, Wins has Paul George been a part of this season? Exactly. Zero. The answer yeah, is zero. zero. <laughs> All right. Well, the Lakers play the Kings tonight. A little Luke Walton reunion, which I'm sure everyone is very excited about. Um, what do you think LeBron and Luke's relationship is like? Not great, Sabrina. I don't think it's great. <laughs> I would be surprised if... Well, actually, no. LeBron's a student of the game, so he knows who Luke Walton is. Um, but I wouldn't put it past him to just pretend like he forgot his name or that he was his coach last season. That that tweet, that dumb one posted uh, the other day about with LeBron Lorenzo. thinking that Alonzo stand was Lorenzo. Uh, oh, my God. Just floored me. The that idea was, that. Th- this team is just so different from last year's team because <laughs> I think we saw a little bit with Kyrie Irving last season in Boston, too. I think all-star players just don't want to come off as like all-star players that are power hungry and want to come in and make that team theirs. So mm-hmm. Kyrie kind of took a backseat as much as Kyrie Irving can taking 50,000 shots a game. But LeBron James really took a backseat and wanted to see Lonzo Ball step up as a leader and work within Luke Walton's offensive system, quote unquote, whatever that <laughs> was. Um, I don't think he wanted to step on anybody's toes, but I mean, it's, He's made it very clear that this team belongs to him and Anthony Davis, and more so Anthony Davis. So, uh, and the Kings are coached by Luke Walton. So, yeah, I would say the Lakers are currently in good hands. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, thank you for subscribing to the Silver Screen Roll podcast. Uh, We have shows on the Lakers every day of the week. The nine and two Lakers, first place in the Western Conference, if I haven't already said it 30 times on this episode. (laughs) Thanks for listening and have a good weekend.